How we doing? This is Rob Foster with RBF Fitness and Nutrition. Public speaking is the number one fear in the world. I started a business during the recession in 2009 here in the U.S. People upgrade their iPhones, they upgrade their Androids, they upgrade their laptops, but they're operating with the same brain that they operated with for the last decade. You should know the value that you bring to the marketplace. You know what your passion is. You know why you do what you do. So racism, it's out there, but it doesn't have to stop you. Just because somebody might look at you a certain way, that doesn't have to stop your forward progress. I mentor people with master's degrees, with PhDs, and I help people who have been in business for a long time. I have deal with, with a nutrition store maybe a half mile away from my facility, and we, we cross-promote. You know, we help out to give our clients what they need. That's where you have to eliminate the excuses. You gotta make that game plan say, for me to get to that point, Right. Happy Wednesday, everyone. Good morning. This is Rob Foster, the tank top wearing phenom. I'm so glad I added in calling myself that because I like it. And I am here with episode number 44 of Shut Up and Grind with yours truly. So today we're going to talk about losing a loved one. So now it's going to be tough to, to get the entertaining factor in here because, you know, we keep it motivational, educational, entertaining, and transformational. But somewhere in there, we'll find opportunities to throw in some quick one-liners to lighten up the mood because, you know, it's never easy when you lose a loved one. And I know everyone's going to go through it at some point, but that doesn't make it any easier. But one thing where we can definitely all improve on and going through my father's passing a year and a half ago, it shows that we weren't really prepared for that moment. And it can make actually processing what happened even harder because now you're scrambling to try to find documents and information and, you know, subscriptions that they have outstanding bills they have, and it can be a real nightmare. And so I found someone to, who is an expert in this field, and we're going to break down, we're going to go into her background, we're going to talk about the loss of her, her sister, which inspired her to start a company to help out in this regard. So she has been featured on ABC, NBC, Fox, and many other media outlets. She's an entrepreneur, a sought-after speaker, she's a consultant, and a founder of Life Snapshot where she helps families organize and securely store personal assets and final wishes information so their loved ones can easily find them while dealing with overwhelming grief. Please welcome to the show, Sherry Williams Franklin. Good morning, my friend. It's so good to see you. Nice to see you too. You know, on all of your promo things in the beginning, I, I was writing Franklin Williams <laughs> on all of them. <laughs> and so I just fixed them all just yesterday. <laughs> I was like, Ooh. I'll tell you, I am um, my maiden name, obviously, is Williams, and Franklin is my married name. And so for the longest time in my career, everyone that called me Sherry Williams, those were the people that knew me like at the beginning, right? Yeah. And then I never changed my LinkedIn profile, but then everyone that called me Sherry Franklin, those are like all the people in my personal life. Those are the people that know my husband and I. And so yeah. um, it was kind of like, okay, now I get the most, best of both worlds. I get to collaborate with my my whole life. I need to <laughs> get the all together. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. All right, so you're in Chicago, right? I am, the Windy City, and it's nice. quite cold here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, it's, I think it's like 18 degrees here today, too. <laughs> well, hopefully you don't have the snow we have. We um, got hit. We had six to nine inches uh, last weekend, and we still got some um, some snow left over, so quite a bit out there. Yeah, that storm you got, we got the same system. <laughs> it hit yeah, us, too. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, crazy. All right, so are you from, are you from Illinois? 
I am. So I'm born and raised in the uh, Chicagoland area, uh, south suburbs. Um, but I was born on the you know west side of Chicago. My my dad lived there his whole life, and um, so I spent a lot of time in the city. And then I have a, a my mom's extended family on the south side of the of the city. So yeah, all over the city. Very familiar with Chicago. Yeah, it's my home. All right. So completely off subject, but I heard heard a debate on sports radio. Who's the bigger sports team in Chicago? Is it the Chicago Bears or the Chicago Bulls? Oh, God, it's kind of, you know, back in the day with Jordan and Pippen, and it was definitely basketball. I mean, I can recall as a young girl going down to Grant Park, hanging out just to see them uh, after yeah. they won all those championships back to back to back. It was the thing. Um, so you don't you don't have that same buzz around the Bears, unfortunately. We love them, but um, they're not as, you know, great as, you know, the Bulls. And we can always hang our hat on the fact that Jordan is and was here. So um, I'll always go with the Bulls. Nice. Yeah. It's like I was I was definitely a Jordan fan. Yes. Not necessarily a Bulls fan, but I had all of his gear. I had the hats, I had the shirts, I had the shoes, socks, everything. Yes, I'm a girly girl and I tried to like incorporate something Jordan. So I used to wear the little wristband, uh the well they were headbands, sweatbands, but I used to wear them on my wrist as a bracelet, <laughs> just as a way to my homage to him. And the team, they were fantastic. So yeah. <laughs> okay, because two sportscasters, they were just going at it back, back and forth. And I just uh, wanted to hear from, you know, a native a native person. Is from it Chicago. really a debate? I don't know that there's a debate. <laughs> I, I really don't think so either. Walter Payton back in the day, you know, I, I, I could see it. That was a long time ago. Long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, so when you were grow, growing up, what, what was your dream job? You know, I wanted to be Oprah. So okay. she's here. I mean, she's, she started here in the um, 80s. And so she's always been on TV since I was little. You know, when I was, you know, four or five years old, I always saw her um, on local um, TV. And so I just, seeing her made me feel like, oh, I can do that. I want to be on TV in some way. I want to, I want her job. Um, but you know, throughout the years, I realized I really just wanted to um, do something that allowed me to connect with people. And I just like the interaction of people. So um, my career path was really all around sales and marketing and um, business development and things like that. But as a child, I definitely wanted to be Oprah because that's who I saw on TV. And I thought she was amazing. Nice. <laughs> so what was your first job? Oh, um, so my first job actually was at J.C. Penney's in okay. River Oaks. Uh, I worked in the little girls department and I was so skinny I could fit their clothes. <laughs> so the best that was the best job because you could get 40 percent off anything that you could wear to work. And so I would like buy the size 16 girls outfits because it looked the exact same as juniors, except for it was price lower. And I would wear that to work and get the deals. So I would pay like $20 for what would have normally been a $60 outfit. Um, but I love JCPenney's. I mean, I was there all the way up until I went to college and my whole family shopped there. Those friends and family nights um, was amazing because that's when everyone got to get the discount and um, come and shop. So I'm, I'm still a fan. I still order stuff to this day. I, my family, I'll go to their house. I say, you remember this? I bought these curtains when you worked at JCPenney's <laughs> a long, long time ago. Um, but but yeah, that was my first job. Love it. Love it. All right. So from from there, so when did your mind start shifting to where you wanted to go into business for yourself? You know, entrepreneurship for me is something that really, you know, runs in my family. My mom, you know, was an entrepreneur. She always kind of instilled in us the importance of having multiple streams of income. And so she worked here in Chicago um, for the Salvation Army headquarters. So, like, let's touch on that in the fact that. That's all about giving and contributing and supporting people when they need it. She worked in the education department. And I recall going out and feeding the homeless and just always being involved in something that gave back. Um, but then aside from that, she had her own, um, you know, side hustle, I would say now, um, in that she created, um, you know, brochures and flyers for businesses and, um, you know, had her own kind of administrative service. And so that was great to see her doing that. So I always 
always felt like I could, you know, I wanted to do something that allowed me to have kind of a nine to five because that's what I saw her with. But I also saw her with a side hustle, so to speak. So, um, yeah, I really always knew that at some point I would be an entrepreneur. I just didn't know exactly um, what capacity. And so, you know, throughout my career, I started to do some consulting on the side for companies, even though I had a nine to five. So that was my way of um, starting into entrepreneurship and then eventually um, moving to full time in my own business. Nice. All right. So when you started consulting, what, what type of consulting were you doing? Yeah, so uh, mostly business consulting, uh, large companies working with them uh, to create business strategies, uh, marketing plans, uh, really taking a deep dive into where are you today? Where do you want to be? And what are the steps that we need to take to get you there? You know, what what were the gaps in your business uh, that we need to evaluate to help uh, support the growth that you're looking to achieve? So things like that. Um, that's a big part of my background. So I spent almost 20 years in sales and marketing and um, business development and R&D working uh, research and development for large, um, mid to large size manufacturing companies across the country primarily focused on taking products from concept to commercialization. So a huge part of what I've done over the years is to contribute towards that. Um, And so, yeah, um, doing that really is what kind of sparked all of, all of the consulting work that I've done through the years. Okay. What's your educational background? So I have an um, undergraduate degree in speech communication with a minor in journalism, and then I have a master's in business administration. Love it. Boss status. Yeah. yeah <laughs> something. None major. <laughs> All right. So you're 20, 20 years in sales and marketing. And so throughout that time period, somewhere in there, when did you when did it hit you that I could do this for myself? Yeah, I mean, consulting really let me know I could do this for myself. Like, I was no cheap ticket, let's be clear. So, <laughs> um, and then, like, the fact that companies were even asking me, I knew, okay, wait, I must have some skills that they see um, that they really need. And so, um, yeah, consulting for me let me know I can stand on my own. I'll always be able to make money. You know, I'll always be able to have have a skill set that people need, um, specifically, you know, mid uh, to small businesses that really just can't afford to have those types of resources on their, you know, books on a regular basis. So I, I that was my first taste in knowing I can absolutely um, be an entrepreneur and kind of do this um, for myself. Um, but it wasn't until, you know, later when this, um, when the situation with my sister occurred that I said, okay, I got to figure this out. I have to do something about it. Okay. How many siblings do you have? So I have um, my sister who's no longer here. And then I have a brother who is uh, 22. And then I also have two step siblings. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Nice. All right. And so uh, were were you guys always close? Yeah. Well, my sister and I are 11 months apart. Okay. So I didn't know life without her. Um, She was here when I hit the scene. Right. So she's a year older than me. um, And uh, she was always around. And my little brother, um, I was away at college when he hit the scene. Right. I was off doing my own thing um, and, you know, had come home to meet him. I was away at school when he was born. So um, he's he's kind of like my baby. I was almost 20 years old when he came along. Um, My mom was in her 40s. And and um, it just, he's, he's amazing. He kind of grew up with three moms. So he's always been more of a, he's my brother, but he's been more of a son to me. I didn't have any, you know, I have a children, I have a daughter now, but I didn't have any children um, at the time. And so um, he was my little person. And so, yeah, he's great. He's just a joy to be around. Love it. All right. So you mentioned that your, your sister is no, no longer with us. Um, if you don't want to go into details, you don't have to, but just what, what was that process like? Yeah, I mean, um, so back in uh, 2015, my sister, you know, just passed away suddenly. Um, She was having a struggle um, catching her breath and her boyfriend helped her um, outside to the front porch to get some fresh air. She collapsed and 
passed away right there. And so she never made it to the hospital. Um, there wasn't, you know, any long-term, you know, hospitalization and that we could prepare ourselves for and kind of work through like, oh my God, is she going to make, like, we didn't get that option. It happened so quickly. It happened. And she was only 36 and um, it was quite overwhelming. And so um, that is, that situation is what sparked my current company life snapshot. And so we um, struggled to really finalize her life and put her affairs in order. And I just remember having to go to her home a couple of days after she passed away, looking for documents and information that the funeral home was requesting and could not find the information. I'm in her home. I'm in her closets. I'm under her mattresses. I'm pulling out. It is the most overwhelming experience and very, very, very difficult. Yes. Yes. Wow. Oh. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, that, that must have been devastating. Yeah. Um, like you. I said, when my dad passed, same same thing. Because like my dad was kind of a pack rat, so he didn't really throw throw stuff out. There's like post-it notes on the wall, there's boxes yeah. with stuff in it, and there's those stuff in his pants pants pockets. And my, my mother was going nuts trying to trying to find everything. Like with the rest, the rest of us kids, we were just trying to clean up because he was an engineer, so he built everything. And as I said, he didn't throw stuff away. We got like I don't know, it was like thirty tons, I want to say, of scrap metal just out of the backyard alone. Yeah. His garage. We 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 were doing yard sales every single weekend just to try to try to break stuff down. But I know same thing. My mom just looking looking for just info it was dr- driving her insane it's like she didn't really get to grieve for probably a, a solid month just from trying to handle all those all those affairs so you're right i mean death takes away the struggle of finding information takes away from the grieving process for sure um the problem is the world does not stop when your loved one passes away it feels like your world has stopped, but no one else's world has stopped. Decisions have to be made immediately. Um, You know, questions are asked right away and you have to start to execute. And so when my sister passed away, we were unprepared. Um, She was single, she lived alone, she wasn't married. Finalizing her life became my responsibility. My mom was not in a place mentally that she could handle burying her child, her firstborn child. And so I had to step in and start to figure things out. I had to start making those calls. I had to start um, prepping and preparing things and, you know, moving, going into her home, moving things around, looking for stuff. And we did that. My mom was there as well. But it's tough. And somebody's got to, you know, really put those big girl panties on and like push through because it is business occurs when death happens. And so to your point, it's very, very challenging to grieve because you're in shock and you have to deal with a lot right now. Um, And so I get that. That resonates with me. Uh, My stepfather, I lost him um, in November 2019 as well. And um, that was a different experience, but, you know, no less hurtful, right? Um, He passed away suddenly as well. He and my mom were on their way out to a, a doctor's appointment. He sat down to put on his shoes, collapsed, ambulance came. He didn't make it. Um, that's trauma. She was there. She had to make the call. She had to, you know, get the ambulance there. She rode, you know, followed the ambulance to the hospital and, you know, was in the room. Those are traumatic events that make it very difficult to then have to be the person to make decisions and look for stuff after the fact. And so he was actually uh, one of the first uh, clients in the Life Snapshot platform. And so I was able to press the button, Um, pull up his uh, snapshot report, reach out to the funeral home um, that, you know, he had listed, uh, you know, that he wanted. Um, I was able to make that call from the hospital. 
I was able to, um, you know, call his company. He's supposed to be at work the next day. He was a, dri- a bus driver. Um, I was on the phone phone with his, um, you know, job on, on my drive to my mom's home and letting them know, you know, he's no longer with us so they could prepare to get someone to replace him for the next day. Um, and then, you know, from there, got in contact with his HR department. Now, mind you, the HR department couldn't speak to me. They could only, you know, communicate with my mom, but I at least got the ball rolling. And so it was a very different experience because we had everything. Um, I I helped them put their affairs in order. I, you know, helped them. He signed up for the platform, but I was the one who, you know, made sure his documents were uploaded and made sure um, that I helped, you know, they're older, you know, you're talking in your sixties. He wasn't as savvy with computers. So he'd say, you know, Hey, Mm -hmm. I've got this, you know, I've got this new, paperwork they want me to fill out for my 401k, like look it over. And so I'd go, I'd look it over, tell them what to sign, you know, fill it out, all that stuff. So I was in the middle of their business anyway, but it was nice to have it there because you don't remember all the things you've talked about, you know, over the years. It's, it's sometimes very, very much a struggle. Um, and so it was just a different experience from, you know, being in my sister's house, tearing through her stuff, trying to figure this out, Versus being able to go, you know, into the platform, get the information, and kind of at least get things moving a lot quicker without the struggle of finding the information. The situation with with my dad, it was it was different because we we like we knew he was he was going to go. Okay. Uh, so like I like I could, couldn't imagine just walking in, in the door and just you know finding finding him lying there. So he had stage four heart failure. So, I mean, it was definitely heartbreaking watching him deteriorate. Right. And so <laughs> he ended up going going into a coma. Like they, they did. I'm open so sorry. Heart. Thank you. They did open heart surgery on him. But uh, they, they even t- told us that there's still a chance that we would lose him. Right. And so, you know, my family, we're always up, upbeat. We're very positive. And so we're like, you know, when he wakes up, when, when he wakes up. I remember we're down in the cafeteria and I said, all right, we have to address what if he doesn't, okay. you know, like nobody, nobody wanted to face that reality. It's like, we have to be prepared in case he doesn't come back. Right. It's like, do you guys have life insurance? And they didn't, you know? So it's like, we got to think, we got to start thinking about, you know, he's, he's a veteran. Like, can we get him the veteran salute? Where, where are we going <laughs> to bury him? Are we going to cremate him? Like, cause uh, I think he, he wanted to be cremated, but but you know, we just had to start talking about this. But everyone, everyone was so uneasy about having that discussion. Yeah, you know. So well, think- let's talk about this. So you're saying that your dad was sick, and you guys knew that he was sick, yeah. um, but you hadn't had the conversation about all of his affairs and what to do. You know, when and if something were to happen. There's a study that comes out every single year um, from a company called the Conversation Project. And they essentially are saying, you know, they do a survey to find out how many people believe that having the, the long-term care or, you know, a care plan discussion, how important is that, right? So 92% of Americans believe it's an important conversation to have. But in 2018, only 32% or 2019, only 32% had actually had a Right. And then following last year with this pandemic, they, you know, the study came out the first of this year and it says 37 percent of people have had the conversation. So you mean with everything going on, we still believe 92 percent of us believe it's important. But 37 percent or 32 to 37 percent of us have only had the conversation. And it's because it's so uncomfortable. And this is why information and assets go miss they get missed throughout this process because no one wants to talk about it and so when people ask me well sherry how should we approach this kind of conversation um, with our loved ones i always recommend to them take action to put your affairs in order and then show them the process or talk through the process with them on um, the steps that you've taken um you know specifically for us with my um, platform, Life Snapshot, we kind of help you navigate that. Like we're asking you a couple questions. So um, just to give some background, because I I don't know that I've mentioned it, but essentially Life Snapshot helps families put their affairs in order 
and protect their financial legacy, right? Um, all of the things that they've worked so hard for, how do you make sure it's protected? It's not enough to build generational wealth if you have not you know, taken the time to ensure that it's distributed the way that you intend, right? And so you have to do that through some sort of a plan. There's always a debate on, you know, do I need a formal plan or an informal plan? Well, let's talk about that. 58% of Americans haven't done any form of estate planning. When you look at African-American communities, 70% of us haven't done any planning. Um, and then, you know, the Hispanic community is even higher. I think they're closer to 75%. So there's a disproportionate amount of minorities. You know, I'll lump both African-American and Hispanics together and saying, these are such uncomfortable conversations that we don't even want to plan for it. We're kind of like, let it, whatever happens, happens. And so we have to start to peel back those layers to get to a place where we're much more comfortable talking about it because there's over $40 billion in unclaimed money and properties that are being held by the U.S. government because most families aren't aware that these assets exist when their loved one is no longer here. And so we're contributing to that when we're not having these conversations with our loved ones about, you know, things that they are listed as beneficiaries on. And let's be clear, there's estimated $7.4 billion in life insurance that goes unclaimed. So it's not that people haven't planned, it's that they haven't communicated the plan. And so Life Snapshot is here to solve that. So our platform consolidates all of your personal assets, final wishes, and critical documents into a single report that is easily shared with your loved ones when you're no longer here. And so we don't give anyone access to the platform other than the member. But what we do allow is when you sign up, you identify up to three designated contacts. And those designated contacts are the people that would call us and say, you're no longer here. And then we immediately press a button and they receive the full snapshot report and a link to all of your files, right? That's one approach. But then there are people who are very private that don't want their loved ones to know anything about their assets. They want to keep this information close to the vest. They don't want to talk about it. We, my uh, support team conducts monthly well-being checks to ensure that if you are, you know, incapacitated or have reached end of life, our team is checking on you on a monthly basis. If we don't hear from you within a predetermined amount of time, we escalate our concern to the, to the people that you've identified as designated contacts. And we confirm with them your well-being. If they say, oh, my God, they're in the hospital, then we say, okay, confirm your name. We just sent you a text message or an email. Read the code back. We're going to send you some information, right? And and it's all based on the preferences that you've put in place within the platform. So we're a bit of an informal plan, but a plan. We're, we're basically your communication plan. We want to ensure that anything that you have is communicated the, the way that it's intended. That's the, when people ask me, what is the most important, you know, um, portion of a estate plan? It's not whether you have a will or a, you know, um, not don't have a will. It's not whether you have a trust or don't have a trust. It's not whether you have these documents in place. What who cares if you've done all of this planning if no one knows about it? Who cares if you've done all this planning if we can't find it? The first and the most important part of any good plan, whether formal or informal, has got to be communication. And so that's what we look to solve is that communication gap and also provide that level of privacy that most um, families are looking for. So you mentioned about the percentage of people that don't have that conversation. And from a psychological standpoint, you know, like as humans, we're, we are programmed to avoid pain. Yeah. You know? So it's like just the thought of losing the loved one, you know, causes people pain. And I think that's what does it. Cause with, with us, like my, my sister had a brain aneurysm burst in 2016. Mm-hmm. She pulled, she pulled through it. You know, she pulled through it. She she's dealing with some with some paralysis, but like we were we were playing playing her music. You know, like once once we confirmed that she could hear us, we were playing her music. We were reading books to her, reading magazines, like all her favorite, just keeping that positive energy. Yeah. And uh, 
like once she first moved, we're like, she's coming back. Like we just had that she's coming back. Like, and even then, we we never really had the discussion of what if she doesn't, you know, <laughs> but, but she ended up coming back. But I just think a lot of people fall into that, that they just want to keep keep the faith to the very last second. But we just have to accept Most of it. us are as minorities, most of us are not, not just minorities, but we're Christians, right? Most of us are Christians. We believe in something greater than ourselves. Yeah. And, you know, our faith teaches us to, um, you know, trust in the Lord with all our heart, right? And lean not to our own understanding. And faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So we've got this hope that it'll turn around um, because we're programmed that way. Um, but we also have to deal with the practical um, portion of that that says, yes, have faith. That's absolutely what we should have when a loved one is struggling with anything. Um, but make sure that you've um, put a plan in place regardless um, that helps support your family. Though The worst thing that could happen is there's a lack of continuity when you're no longer here. You want there to be continuity for your family you know, when you are no longer here. And the only way to do that is to make sure that you've done some form of planning and communicated the plan. Yes, I remember my mom voicing her, her frustration just trying to find all the stuff that she needed. So, yeah. so this sounds like this is a pretty pretty solid thing you got going on here. Yeah, so it's um it's a technology platform um, that is desktop and mobile friendly. Um, so you can access it from anywhere. The internet's available, and um, if you haven't done any formal planning at all, it's fine. You have the ability to. Uh, our platform will ask you a series of questions. I think there's five or six, um, based on the, your selection. It customizes your experience and allows you to then input uh, information. It doesn't require your social security number. It doesn't require any of your account numbers. Um, it only requires, it's a roadmap for your loved ones. So where do you bank? You know, who has your 401k account? What company is managing your pension? Um, you know, who is your HR department contact? Who is your, you know, employer contact, your benefits center, your, you know, if you're an entrepreneur, what is your succession plan? Where are your incorporation documents? Um, all that stuff can be housed in our platform. So, you know, you want there to be continuity, not just for your immediate family, but all of your business interactions. And so we're really a repository for documents, but our system will consolidate all of that information into a report if you don't, if you don't upload anything. If you never upload anything, you still receive a snapshot report that gets sent to your family with all of the key information that they need. Okay, so what types of things would, would they upload, like a will, like birth certificates, stuff like that? Yeah, you would want to put in your will, um, any partnership agreements, um, any succession plan documents, life insurance policies, um, advanced directives, power of attorney documents, so things of that nature. So um, we always recommend to people that you have a power of attorney document, both medical and financial. Um, medical so that if you are hospitalized, you have a designated person that is you know, going to make decisions for your care when you're not able to do so for yourself. Um, we also recommend you have a um, financial power of attorney document. Again, while you're potentially incapacitated, you want someone to have the ability uh, to make, you know, pay bills on your behalf, access accounts, things of that nature. Um, and you want to limit the scope of what that looks like, but you want to have one. Um, an advanced directive, that's your care plan. If you, you know, were hospitalized, you want to have an advanced directive on file that communicates how you want uh, the team to care for you. That goes to your loved ones and it goes to your uh, medical provider. You don't want there to be a conflict between the two. You want to be able to say, this is how I want to be cared for and put them on the same page. Um, you might not want life-sustaining treatment where your loved ones will say, we want life-sustaining treatment. Um, and you want to map that stuff out so that your care team is fully aware of what you like so there's no conflict. So um, those are some of the documents that we uh, recommend. And let me just say, throughout this pandemic, we've had several members that were hospitalized. And for those that actually had a uh, advanced directive or you know medical power of attorney on file, we were able to share that with their loved ones um, while they were you know in the hospital. That's great. That's that's awesome. And so so when you started this, 
like how did you how did you start getting the word out? I mean, I know you have a sales and marketing background, but but mm-hmm. how, how did you launch it in the beginning? Yeah, well, let's let's go back. Right. So I'm a non-technical founder. You know, technology is not my background. Manufacturing is my background. Launching products, you know, R&D, taking things from concepts to commercialization. That's my background. I've been doing that for 20 years for some of the largest brands um, in the country. You know, my first company out of college was Pactive Corporation, which is the parent company of Hefty and Easy Foil and Cordite. So big brands. And so um, I was in the um, new product development group for years. Um, and so when I say marketing, I don't mean the pretty portions of marketing. I mean the strategy side of marketing. I mean the research and, and development behind the scenes um, for marketing that helps you make decisions based on the insights that you've gained. And so for me, um, one of the things that I did was say, okay, wait a minute. I there's a problem. Okay, let me validate that this is really a problem. Like, I know we're struggling with this. I have to assume other people have struggled with this. What do we do next? Okay, let's validate this is a big issue. And so my aunt actually owns a funeral home here in Chicago. I met with her first to say, hey, is this really a struggle? Do you find that families? She's like, oh my God, all the time, right? So she's like, Who, who's not going to tell you? Anyone you ask about, you know, losing someone, they have a horror story on having to find information and the struggle and how they didn't have their affairs in order and how, you know, they didn't even, you know, they were, they thought they were divorced. They weren't divorced. Like, there's so many stories that come out um, around death. And so um, we knew it was an issue. And so then from there, I started to network within my network to find out, like, how do I find technical resources that can take these ideas that I have in my head and put them on paper? And so I I found some resources to do that. Um, And then I developed a prototype. I'm accustomed to doing that, right? That's all part of my R&D background. Um, And then from there, um, in November, of 2019, I had a big birthday bash. Um, unfortunately, it was the same time as my stepfather passing. And um, we, you know, this party was planned long before um, he passed away. And um, my birthday was his viewing. You know, we're, we're on my birthday, I'm at the funeral home, we're having this viewing. And then the next day was his um you know, funeral. And then the Saturday was my party and it was just an exhausting week. And, you know, I started, you know, I thought, should I cancel, not cancel? I was like, you can't cancel. Like, you know, it's 70 people are coming. You got to deal with this. So I was, it was a small, I call 70 small, a small party, intimate party um, for just some close friends and family. And I launched a video um, kind of giving an overview of what I had been working on privately for some time. Um, less than 10 people knew what I had, what I had in development. And then we showed um, the back end and showed like a um, functioning, uh, partially functioning like demonstration of the back end. And so I got um, just about half of the people in the room to sign up to beta test it for me. Um, and then the other half or a little less than half um, signed up to for the wait list. Like, okay, when well, this is available, I want it, right? Um, and so then we launched, we started to do some more testing with, you know, beta test users. And then we launched uh, early 2020 to a small wait list. Um, People signed up the first day and, you know, we just continued to get the word out and start to share what was going on, which was, you know, this had been in development for some time. The company was founded in 2017. And so COVID hitting and us launching it just, oh, it was tough because I didn't want to appear opportunistic, but it was like we had launched the first week in uh, March publicly and then COVID hit the end of March and we're like, oh my God, like, what do we do? So we kind of pulled back marketing because I was like, well, we'll wait this out for a couple months and then we'll like relaunch because this doesn't feel like the right time. We don't know what this is. Like the country is in a free for all. Um, but people were signing up anyway, like throughout the pandemic, people were signing up. And so we thought, okay, let's get back into marketing the company and, um, you know, supporting families because that's what it's about. Like the we're in the, this is the time where people need more support than ever. Um, and they're looking for a solution that is using the human elements of a person along with tech. You know, we're not just a digital storage vault. There's tons of digital storage vault. Your, your email is a digital storage vault. Um, but at the end of the day, we wanted something that was a bit more thoughtful in terms of the flow of the system. Um, we wanted to actually have an output, which is the uh, snapshot report. And we also wanted to, um, you know, humanize it and 
have real people that you can, um, you know, depend on that are checking on you and making sure that your loved ones can either call us and say, oh my God, I'm in this situation and there's a friendly voice on the other end to support them. Or, you know, we can find out, we're reaching out to them saying, hey, we haven't been able to get in touch with your loved one. Hey, is everything okay? Right. And so that connectivity, I think, is what has helped us. It's propelled us. It's um, why people want to use our platform. Okay. Does it store like personal, personal preferences as well? So like when my dad passed, we we knew he didn't want to be buried. We knew he he wanted to be cremated, but we, we never talked about the urn, like what are we going to use for the urn? And then, you know, so my mother's research and stuff, my sister's research and stuff, you know, we have our group thread and I like this one. Well, I like that one. I like this one. Well, I like that one, you know, like, it, and it's just that spiral effect. So like, could, could it get like as, as so detailed to even have stuff like that in there as well? Yeah, it does actually. So we have a section um, in the platform, um, Final, it's called final wishes, right? And so it asks questions. Do you want to be buried? Do you want to be cremated, right? It's a drop down. It's not even like you have to type it in. It's drop down options. Um, do you have a, um, you know, a location in which you would want, you know, first of all, do you want a memorial service? If so, do you have a location in mind? Um, you know, do you have a favorite color? If so, what is it? Do you have a favorite flower? What is it? Do you have, you know, a preference on a, a, a poem or a reading or a scripture or whatever that is, right? So yes, there is a section for that. And then there's also other, add in as much as you want. Anything that might've been missed that we didn't guide you through, add that in as well. Um, there's also a section for a safe or a safe deposit box. So you might have all this stuff stored somewhere, but you haven't told anyone. Um, tell someone if you don't want to write, you know, exactly where give them a hint, right? The hint, there's a hint option. So um, whatever makes people feel good. um, That's what we're here for. Um, It also stores digital assets. So think about it. You're, you know, online shopper, you, um, you know, have an account with, you know, for me, an iPhone user. Um, So I have an Apple account. My husband wouldn't be able to get into that without the code. Um, He can't, you know, he might not have the passcode to my cell phone. He might not have the passcode to, you know, some other things where I'm online shopping. I want him to close out some of those accounts so that it's just not sitting out there when I'm no longer here. Your social media, you can put in um, things like that so your loved ones can get in there and close that stuff down so that, you know, hackers aren't taking over your accounts and, you know, getting into your credit cards and stuff like that. Those are things you want to have managed right away. Yeah, that's a good point with the with the passwords because I remember my mother going going crazy trying to figure out dad's dad's passwords and uh, like I said he had post it notes all over his little yeah. office room there but we didn't know what went to what <laughs> it was it's quite confusing and, you know and let let me just say this it's overwhelming right it is over absolutely overwhelming to have to manage through all of this um, but what's more important is that you get it in order. Tell someone, you know, whether you use our platform or not, you know, have a real communication plan and don't just tell one person because if something happens to them, you don't have any checks and balances. We always recommend we tell everyone have at least three designated contacts for our platform. You have to have at least one, but you can have up to three. We don't want you to have 10 or 20. I mean, that's unmanageable, but three is a good number. Um, But then there's all these, you know, key contacts that you're able to share information with and kind of go from there. So so um, that's another option as well. Okay. All right. Good stuff. So now, once the person passes and all the information is done, what what happens then? I didn't. I didn't hear your question. Once the person passes, then what? Yeah. So and then once everything, all the affairs are are in order, what happens now? Yeah. So once the person passes away, um, either one of two things are going to happen. Either the family is going to reach out to like snapshot and say this person passed away or we're going to be the ones that proactively reached out to the family to say, hey, we conducted a monthly well-being check. They did not respond. Can you tell us what's going on now? They tell us they've passed away. Um, And so we'll we'll confirm the identity of the designated contact, you know, as I mentioned earlier, just verifying who they are. Um, And then we'll share, um, we'll click a button and they have it immediately. It's instant. So we press a button um, to, and it's it's called snapshot button. (laughs) We can, uh, so from behind the scenes, we can't see the content in anyone's report. 
Um, so the, in our system links automatically to the designated contacts. So whatever three designated contacts they've actually listed in our, in our system, when they set up their account, um, their emails are linked to um, the report. So we press Snapchat report and it immediately sends it to all three of those designated contacts. Um, and then as far as the files, they're automatically linked as well to the designated contacts. So we don't have to type in anyone's email address. We don't have to type in anything. It's automatically um, linked so that they can uh, share it. So it's just literally a matter of seconds. Uh, the team presses a button. You can see it in your inbox right away. Okay. <laughs> What happens to the account itself? So we allow the account stays open for up to 30 days just in case the family, you know, says, hey, can you resend this or that or whatever? Um, but then we shut it down. It's uh, completely wiped out. Everything is removed. We don't want to we don't need access or want to maintain uh, any of that information. And then we'll make sure to you know, have a notation that communicates this account was closed due to them being deceased. All right. Sounds, uh, sounds pretty awesome. It is. So thank you. And people are always, they're always like, oh my God, it sounds expensive. It is not. You know, I come from you know, very humble beginnings. Um, this platform is affordable. I wanted it to be affordable for everyone. Um, plans start as little as $14.99 a month. Um, we have, it's the price of coffee. You know, my, I have my estate planning attorney here uh, last week because I'm always updating my information. Um, and so he was here. He's like, that's like coffee. I said, yes, it's the price of, you know, two cups of coffee from Starbucks and a lemon loaf. So get it together. I mean, it's $14.99 a month um, to just provide some added peace of mind to your family um, and just make sure um, they're, they can go to one place. But we have a free 14-day trial. So anyone that wants to just kind of get in the system explore it, um, follow the path, see what it says, you know, see what kind of functionality it has is welcome to, to do so for um, 14 days at no, at no cost, no obligation. Great. All right. So talk about just being an entrepreneur in general. Yeah. What about it? There's, it's so funny. So Femme Founder and Medium, uh, they put out a, a article on me uh, last last month, middle of last month. And um, the headline says, entrepreneurship is hard with Sherry Williams Franklin. And I thought, how did you get that? Like we talked about so much. <laughs> That's the one thing they like pulled out and made the headline. So it kind of makes me chuckle. I think it's true, entrepreneurship is hard. But um, what I was saying to that team was <laughs> it's hard, but if you're doing meaningful work, it doesn't feel hard. It's it's the thing that's gonna make you get out of bed every day. It's why you run a gym. It's because you see the transformation of your clients and it excites you and it invigorates you and it motivates you um, to keep going on the tough days, right? And so. I think that's the entrepreneurial journey. It doesn't matter what you're selling or, you know, what business you have. If you're not doing something that means something to you, it's it's not going to be successful. And so for me, that's what it's all about. It's just making sure that anything that you're you know, bringing forward is something that is going to add value to someone else. And that's exactly what you're doing with Life Snapshot. That's what I'm trying to do. <laughs> so. That's great. So what could you say to someone out there now that's sitting on an idea about moving forward with it? I absolutely think once you validated the idea, I think you should be moving forward. So, um, you know, people inbox me all the time. Oh, I have this idea. I have this idea. And then when you say, well, um, how have you validated it? You know, what's your niche? Who's your target? Um, they're like, what? 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 You know, what are you talking about? I know my friends like it. Right. And so it's like, well, that's cool. But who's your target audience? Why are they your target audience? You know, how have you confirmed that that's the right person uh, to sell into? That's when people back it up. And so I think, you know, before you invest heavily in you know your idea make sure that you can validate it through some form of research 
um, surveys. Um, I conducted tons of surveys along the way. Everything that I do is grounded in um, analytics and information that support how we move forward. Um, it's always grounded in you know, to help make the business decision. So I recommend validate your idea and make sure that you've identified a user base that wants the very thing that you're trying to sell. And once those two things are aligned, don't hold back, move forward, go ahead and um, put yourself out there. I tell people all the time, doubt your doubt, you know, because that's the thing that holds us back. We doubt the fact that we can be successful. We doubt that, you know, we're the right person, but, you know, don't give up on you. Like if I have to bet on anyone, I'm going to bet on myself because I trust in who I am, and I know that you know I can I can help propel myself forward um, with the right strategy, with the right vision for my life. And so, don't don't hold yourself back. Doubt your doubt, and, and move forward and execute. Spot on, love it, love it. So, one thing that I'm doing in my my coaching business is helping people take their personal experiences and turn it into something that they can used to inspire other people and to make to profit from. And you'll be surprised the things that people go through that they don't realize is marketable. You know, like for you going through what you went through and then you took that situation and now you're helping others not go through that struggle that you went through. And so when you, when you speak on stages, well, when we could speak on stages, like what's what's your what's your central message? Like what's your core story? Well, let me just say, you know, I never expected to monetize this experience. It wasn't on my radar at all. You know, when I when I started the company, my whole strategy was to distance myself from the company and let the company be the company, right? Just let the tech company stand on its own, you know, put the messaging out there about the value um, and that and be done with it. You know, stay out of it. They don't need to know your story. Um, kind of keep that hidden and close to the best. That was my approach. And then I had all these friends like, um, where's your personal story? How come it's not here? I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, you need to put on the website, like, why this company was founded. And so that was a struggle for me. Um, it's not something that I was able to really talk about. You know, I'm very comfortable now sharing it and talking about it. But I think most people are hesitant to share their stories because it's so personal and it's tough. It's tough to make yourself vulnerable in that way and not know how people will receive it. And I didn't want anyone to question. I didn't, I've never said my sister's name, right? I, you know, I just did a video for the first time. Here we are five years, six years later, almost not, not quite six, but over five years, I just put a picture of the two of us in a video. <laughs> like I, I'm, I was so removed from, or tried to be so removed from the brand that it wasn't helping me. What I realized is every interview that I, you know, did, everyone wanted to know why, like, how did this come about? You know, what, why, why, why did you create this? And so then I found myself having to explain it. And so what I would say is be, get comfortable in your own skin, get comfortable with your story and figure out when you tell it, who leans into it and what portions do they lean in on? And that's the portion that you share. And the things that might be too personal, don't share. You know, me talking about her, um, you know, not being able to breathe and collapsing. I've never talked about that um, because it's not something that I openly discuss. It's it's very personal. It's not, it doesn't serve the conversation for me to share that. But you and I are, are swapping stories from at a very personal level because we both lost people recently and we both had to experience this and it's, it was sudden and it's out of nowhere. And it's just one of those things that I felt comfortable talking about today. Tomorrow I might not feel as comfortable. So be okay with how you feel at that moment and in terms of what you want to share. So if I'm in front of a group, I'm going to tell a story that I think is appropriate for the situation. If I don't feel like it's a safe place, if I don't feel like, you know, what I'm sharing is going to be honored, then I might not share as much. Um, so I think you have to pick and choose what the environment is, and then you pick your core message from there. You know, if this is a small, intimate, you know, women's group or a small, intimate group with some guys and, you know, families, and we're just talking about 
we are we're, we're connected because we're talking about loss and real experiences. I mean, our dads were lost at the same time. You know, literally November 2019, we both lost someone that is a pillar in our family. And so, you know, you have to open up to some extent to talk about what that was. And so um, that that's my recommendation. I don't know that you can have a core message that kind of goes for everything, but you, you, you know your story. It's your truth. If there's versions of it and portions of it that you'll share and not share. And I think you should adjust based on the environment. Yes. And I'll just add on to that with, with mine, I agree. It definitely depends on who you're talking to, but by, by core message, I just mean like, is it, is it resilience? Is it overcoming obstacles? Is it perseverance? Like, like that's your core story. And then you, then you weave the details of the story around that topic. So like, like with my dad just mentioning, mentioning that, you know, he wanted that surgery or else he would have, he could have survived longer, but it would have been miserable. Right. And, and he didn't, he didn't want that. He's like, let's just go all in with this. And then regardless of the outcome, he's right. like, I'm, I'm okay with this. And, and, you know, my mother was like, are you sure? And he's like, yep. Like he didn't, he didn't hesitate, but some, sometimes going through those details again, depending on the crowd and what the message is, being that vulnerable touches other people because right. pe- people people suppress a lot of feelings inside, and so when, when you when you're actually vulnerable because like I can talk about them without crying finally, right? And, and, and even <laughs> it took a while to get there. <laughs> yeah, oh, it, it did. I would just mention his name, and the eyes would just would just fill. Yeah, you know. But but now I see when I talk about losing him. You know, it just helped you talk about details with with your sister, right. and then other people I talk to that have gone through loss because at some point we're all going to go through it, right. and and it, it just helps other people talk about it and they're like, wow, you know, I feel a lot better about that. You no, know, knowing that other people have dealt with that hurt too. Agreed. I agree. Um, I think it's that connectivity of all of us. Um, you know, when someone shows you that they can be vulnerable, then you reciprocate by doing the same. And you'll find those instances that make sense for you. You know, I don't know if I ever thought about a core message in terms of, hey, this is what I want to make sure you walk away with every single time other than, you know, this is my journey. Um, it's not pretty. And, uh, you know, this is my truth. And so that's that's how I think about it. Um, And I want people to realize, you know, I was able to birth something amazing out of something very, very difficult. And so if anything, be open to what you know, what what are you going through and what's the lesson and what can you take from it to help yourself as well as help others? So maybe that's the core. Love it. Spot on. All right. So talk about, about, about your free trial. We got a couple minutes left. Yeah, no. Um, so the website is on the screen. Um, people can just take advantage of a, a free 14 day trial, uh, go into the platform, look around. Um, they'll get to navigate the system and, you know, really just determine if it's a good fit for them and their overall planning. It is a repository for information. So any documents that they want to store, they can store them there. If they don't have any documents, um, they can go ahead and just answer some questions. And our platform consolidates and creates a report um, that would easily be shared with their loved ones. The goal is to really provide a roadmap um, to your family. You know, I always say it's really the goal is to put you guys on the path to preparedness for the future. Love it. Awesome. All right, well, thank you very much for joining, for sharing your story, for being vulnerable, for explaining in detail how you how you built that business out of that tragedy. And uh, like I said, hopefully, hopefully we get some free trials here for you. I'm probably mm-hmm. gonna do it, do it myself. <laughs> and uh, thank you very much. Don't don't sign up yet, though. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. It's good to see you again. Yes, yeah, nice seeing you too. All right, take care. All right, so episode 44 is in the books. So I hope you guys got a lot out of that. So if you've gone through through this this process of losing someone and it was a struggle this is definitely something that you'll want to pick up because i know that we were going crazy mostly my mom but we were going crazy trying to put the pieces back together from dad's passing 
And this sounds like it can take away a lot of that struggle and ease a lot of family fighting because there was some butting heads in there too. So said the link is up on the screen. The link is also in the comment section. I'll be back again Friday at 11 with Michelle. So you guys have yourselves a great Wednesday. I'm going to say RBF Fitness. Shut up and grind is signing off. (laughs) Thanks. Have a great day. You've been listening to Shut Up and Grind. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. Robert has over 20 years experience pouring his knowledge and expertise at many events in the service and fitness industry, as well as secondary schools and universities. He has a true passion for helping others break through the barriers that are holding them back. To book Robert B. Foster to speak or to reach out, go to robertbfoster.com slash speaks on Instagram at robert underscore b underscore foster. On Twitter at RBF underscore fitness and on Facebook at Robert B. Foster. Till next time, shut up and grind.